Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fans who invest and pay attention know it's mostly bullcrap. Cap space is what it is. You can manipulate that all kinds of ways. A lot of times it comes down to your owner. Is your owner willing to write the checks? Ryan Poles has the cap space where he could be in on any free agent, right, Alyssa? But it comes down to the McCaskies. Are they going to write those checks, the upfront guaranteed money? Are they going to write all those checks this offseason? I don't know. Some fun offseason conversation coming up on the show this week, including our way too early expectations for the 2023 season, final grades for head coach Matt Eberflus and GM Ryan Poles. All of that is coming up next. But first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. Ryan O'Leary here joined, as always, by Alyssa Barbieri, the managing editor of USA Today's Bears Wire. Alyssa, how's the offseason treating you so far? It's going well. You know, I'm getting we have a whole bunch of offseason coverage. And, you know, I I don't know why I thought that it was going to be slower immediately when the offseason hit. But no, still pretty busy, right? There's a whole bunch to cover with this team. I mean, this could be a franchise-altering offseason for the Bears, and there's so many different angles, and we haven't even reached February yet. So uh, it's been fun, though, which is nice, so I don't have to suffer through losses. It's kind of fun to do these optimistic you know, kind of uh, posts and take these different directions and enjoy some playoff football, which... I mean, the divisional round, I mean, there were some duds, but I mean, it's been it's been fun, you know, when playoff football's on. So, I mean, it, it's been eventful so far. Yeah, it has. And, and I actually I want to bring up the divisional round here. Um, and yeah, it is fun, right? When you have the number one pick in the draft, every mock draft starts with you um, and everybody's wondering, are you going to trade it? Are you going to pick somebody? So it's like every mock draft starts with you. And um, that's fun. I think you've you've probably written already what? 20 articles on the mock. That's probably too many, right, Alyssa? But you have a lot lot more to go with the mock drafts. We'll get to that because how we're going to handle this podcast episode, as Alyssa said, there's so much going on with the offseason. There's playoffs going on as well. So we're going to do kind of a six pack of questions going around the league. I'm just going to start firing them off at you, Alyssa. I will tease one. We'll get to it at the end. Our punchable face of the year award. We've talked about um, some punchable faces that we've come across throughout the season. Uh, and um, we're just gonna we're gonna hand out our punchable face of the year award. You're not gonna want to miss that. We'll do that one um, later on. If you can't wait, just go go ahead, scroll ahead. I think Bears fans will will like what we come up with. And there. then rewind, come back. Yeah, to exactly, us, we then, got plenty to talk about. <laughs> and then come back because this is gonna be loaded. And you just mentioned the divisional round, how there were some duds, Alyssa. So let's dive right in here to the six pack. Here's number one. Uh, set the Bears bar for 2023. In other words, what would constitute a successful season for the Bears at this time? next year right like would a would a playoff berth and a wild card win and then get bounced in the divisional round even emphatically like the giants did right would that be considered a success are you looking for more than that or or maybe even less like just making the playoffs like what would constitute a successful season before we get into all the craziness right set the bears bar for me yeah it's a little difficult too because we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason so we're kind of just you know taking a swing here but I mean, like you said, I think playoffs, or at least they need to be contending for the postseason 
uh, this after this offseason because it's important. You have the number one pick. You have a whole bunch of cap space. And you've seen what, you know, some teams like the Giants and the Jaguars were able to do this year. And, you know, there's no reason why the Bears can't be that team. You know, they uh, can't earn a wild card spot, sneak into the playoffs, right? They did that before back in 2020 when they had that seven seed first introduced. So, I mean, I think at this point, all things considered, you have the quarterback, you have the resources, Ryan Poles, to go out and build this team the way that you see fit. So I think that with the quarterback and with everything that you're going to bring in, you should be contending for the playoffs. And, you know, you look at what, you know, the Giants and Jaguars were able to do, and they were able to get a playoff win, which would be nice because I don't think the Bears have won a playoff game in over 10 years. So, I mean, it's been a while. So you want to see this team kind of get back into the swing of things. You want to see them take that positive step forward. I don't think it's good enough. You can't have, you know, another season where you're below 500, where you're struggling when you have these pieces in place because, you know, Justin Fields, he has a a few years left on his rookie deal. This is the time to really start taking those positive steps forward. So at this point, I think it is playoffs uh, or bust at this point. If they make the postseason and even lost, I think that would be okay. It's a step forward. But I mean, ideally, you would like to see them make the postseason and get a win at least. Yeah, I'm right with you on this one. I and I, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'm building a straw man argument here for Bears fans. I don't know really how they feel about this, Alyssa. We haven't done a poll on this or anything, but I think if you're expecting the Bears to still be playing at this time next year, right? If you're expecting them to win the NFC North, be in the Final Four, I think you're you're expecting too much, right? I mean, you got to remember we're entering year two of the rebuild. Uh, we need to see the team address their biggest problem areas, and there's a lot of them: O line, D line, linebacker wide receiver. Alyssa, we could spend uh, a lot of time talking about that. I'm sure we will later on this offseason. Now, I know you have the number one pick. You have all the cap space in the world. I totally get it. Uh, But I think it's reasonable to you want a team that's at least contending for the playoffs. Like you said, that's kind of what I had to when I answered this one. It's like you want to win at least nine games, be in the hunt, Maybe make the playoffs. I think if Justin Fields is is leading the Bears onto the field for a playoff game and we get to see that and he gets that experience, it's probably a successful season. That's where I would put the bar. I think it's gravy on top of that. And I think it's the cap space that gives me pause, Alyssa. I think fans, not only the number one pick is like a, an added cherry on top, but fans have been really fired up about the cap space, the cap space. And this is probably because I'm a scarred Patriots fan, Alyssa. I know, I know a lot of people feel bad for me as a Patriots fan. It's a lot of rough times in my life with the Tom Brady days. I know people feel horrible for me, especially Bears fans, right? But we, but we were just, it, they drove it down our throats. Bill Belichick, just Tom Brady, he's got to take less. We, we can't sign all your favorite players if Tom Brady's making all this money like these other quarterbacks. Look how stupid these other teams are for paying their quarterback. And it's like, but the Patriots lost all of our favorite players eventually anyway. They would move on from guys like Richard Seymour or whatever. Um, it kept happening over and over and over again. It's kind of like the cap space thing, I think, is kind of it's not completely a myth, but I think it's overemphasized a little bit by ownership and GMs to try to like fool us. And it's like fans who invest and pay attention know it's mostly bull crap. Cap space is what it is. You can manipulate that all kinds of ways. A lot of times it comes down to your owner. Is your owner willing to write the checks? Ryan Poles has the cap space where he could be in on any free agent, right, Alyssa? But it comes down to the McCaskies. Are they going to write those checks? the upfront guaranteed money? Are they going to write all those checks this offseason? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe, 
maybe they're really giving him free reign, right? I don't know. But it's just like the cap space thing, it's it's only real if the owner's willing to write the checks. Because a lot of this, a lot of these signing bonuses and stuff, it's a lot of money right now for the ownership group. It's a business. Are they going to want to write all those checks? Are they going to and is the team going to just take this huge hurdle into 2023? I'm not sold on it. Maybe, again, maybe it happens, but I think there's a, a chance. And maybe it's, I'm starting to think it's like a slightly bigger chance than not now that we're going to be a little bit disappointed with the cap space thing. I think we're going to come away, come away being like, I was really hoping we'd have a bigger haul than this. And it's not because of the cap space. It's because the ownership doesn't want to write those checks. Yeah. I mean, I think the bears, you know, have famously, you know, garnered a reputation for being cheap. And I think it goes back to, you know, Mike Dicka's quote about, you know, George Hallis throws nickels around like manhole covers. (laughs) I mean, but that's not necessarily the case now. I mean, we've seen the bears go out and pay guys, you know, like Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn and like some of these big contracts, Jimmy Graham, who didn't deserve that when he got it uh, a few years ago. So, I mean, they're not a cheap franchise. I feel like since Ryan Poles is brought in here and really got the sense that he was promised control and he still has control, right? Even after Kevin Warren being hired as team president and CEO, Poles will be in charge of football operations. He's given the control to go out there and build his team alongside his assistant, Ian Cunningham. So, I mean, I think that Ryan Poles is going to have the say here and George McCaskey, who doesn't know a damn thing about football. Um, he's trusting in his GM, the guy he went out there and hired to go and get it done. At the same time, you look at the salary cap space, you know, looking at it right now, uh, I'm on Track, and the Bears are expected to have $115 million at this point. And then you go down to the next highest team. That's the Jaguars at $57 million. So that is nearly double the next team. And that kind of goes back to what you saw Ryan Pace do this offseason and get rid of a lot of these expensive contracts and a lot of these aging veterans, all of the dead cap money this year. It's opening up a lot of cap space for this year. And yes, there is a perception by some that they expect the Bears to go out and just start throwing money around. But I think the opposite, if we saw anything from polls last year, and he kind of even spoke to that at his end of year press conference that, you know, he's going to be you know, very realistic with this, with the salary cap situation and free agency, he's going to go out there. He has a lot of spots to fill, right? There are some players that he could choose to throw some money out, like maybe a Saquon Barkley, if he hits the market, uh, maybe a Jerome Payne, like you need, a, you need some defensive lineman and edge rusher. Like, I mean, there are some players that could garner that and you're able to get away with that because Justin Fields is still on that rookie contract, but I don't think he's going to go crazy. Like some people might expect, uh, and he's someone that likes to build through the draft, you know, and we're going to look at that number one pick and what he's able to do with that in terms of trading back, acquiring additional capital, bringing, bringing in guys. So I don't expect him to be, to go crazy with money in free agency. And then when I say this, watch him do that. No, <laughs> but um, I feel like he's going to be very reasonable. Uh, that's what you kind of get a sense of Ryan Poles and he's going to address I feel like he's going to go in there with a plan. Like these are the positions that we can address, right? We're going to target these in free agency, right? They have those players. Well, I think defensive linemen, offensive linemen, like those are positions you could really target here in free agency. Then maybe you choose to look elsewhere at different needs in the draft. But I do think that when you look at the salary cap, I mean, I don't, I think it's very important, obviously, because you have a lot of holes to fill and there's, there's so many needs, but I don't expect him to go crazy. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, right? Uh, they, it's what's interesting to me, Alyssa. And again, I, I'm sorry, I do lose my mind when I look at the salary <laughs> cap space thing. And it's like, if fans think they they can just sign whoever they want because of the space, it's like it's not that simple. I'm, I'm sure a lot of Bears fans know that, but um, some people get a little wild on social media with with some of their commentary. Uh, but it's just like, are the McCaskies handing polls to blank check and trusting him? Maybe. Maybe, maybe they're trusting that he'll be, you know, he'll be responsible, but I'm sure there's only so much money they want to actually spend this offseason when they have to write the real checks. That's, that's what I'm interested in. What's interesting also is that you can't hold the salary cap over our heads here as fans. You can't tell us, oh guys, we can't sign so-and-so because of the cap, because that doesn't exist when, like you said, Alyssa, you have double the next team. So um, that's fascinating. I could talk about that all day, but I'm going to try to like relax a little bit, Alyssa. Sorry for getting so fired up there. Uh, we have no, a lot I love of- it. I love it. It's the off season spirit. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm so loving it. But we have a six pack of questions here. We're only on question number two, so let's keep moving. Um, give me your final year number one grade for Bears head coach Matt Eberflus. Oh, that's good. Okay, so it feels very weird to say this, considering the Bears only won three games and they ended the season losing ten straight. But I'm going to give Eberflus a B plus. I think that I don't know if this was the expectation in terms of losing, you know, you know, 10 straight games to end the season and losing 14 games. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the expectation, but I think coming into this year with what Ryan Poles did and tearing the roster down and this is what you were left with. I think it was more the promise of, okay, Matt, you got to get us through this year with this roster. We know you can do it. You're that kind of raw, raw guy. You can get them through. You can have them play with that effort and keep it going and then next year we're going to build a roster around you, uh, or we're going to give you a roster uh, with some with uh, with some talent on it. So I think that consi- all things considered, what the Bears were able to accomplish with Eberflus at the helm, this was a team that lost ten straight games, and with the exception of that Lions game at the end of the year, they always played with effort. They never gave up. Despite all of that, we were down to like third, like practice squad guys from other teams. I mean, it was pretty brutal, right? The injuries were mounting. You're losing guys left and right. Justin Fields is there carrying the entire team on his back. And you got practice squad. Uh, yeah, I think it was like the last game or last couple games where practice squad guys were the, the starters in the secondary uh, outside of Brisker. So, I mean, it, it was brutal. So, I think all things considered, you look at the job that Eberflus did. And I think like, you look at the culture that he's instilled inside that building. And it, I think it's something that this team needed, especially you had such a young squad and you had a lot of young inexperienced guys and a roster that nest that was probably the worst in the league. And he still was able to get the most out of them. And just what was a master tanking season. And now you're sitting here at the number one pick. And there's a lot of optimism because you look at what Eberflus did with that roster. And then you think to yourself, wow, once they start getting guys on this roster, they start getting these, these guys with a lot of talent. What can this team accomplish with Eberflus at the helm? So, I mean, I was impressed. He did have his mistakes. You know, he, he was learning from them. But at the same time, it, it was a rough situation that he was brought into. And I think that he handled it the best that he could. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I was a little lower. I graded him a little tougher than you, Alyssa. I had a C. I had a C. I think he had his moments. As you said, I was a little worried from the jump that he was going to be one of these like Joe Judge, even Nathaniel Hackett, like Hardos, oh, no. who like gives you the the cute quotes at the podium, but ultimately sucks. 
or you know what I mean? Like I thought I was worried about that at hits first. Principle. Yeah. Yeah. I know you love the hits principle. And I was like, Alyssa, I don't know. He might be a hardo, but he's better than that. Right. I think he proved he's better than that. He's definitely not an F. Um, and I don't think he's a D either, even though, as you said, I'm not going to repeat everything you said, but it's like you lose 10 straight 10 a year. Um, you're probably good enough to win more than three, uh, but you didn't. Uh, so yeah, I'm a C. To me, what's amazing, what I think is like the neatest trick pulled off by Matt Eberflus is that nationally and locally, no one's ever worried about him or talking about him or putting him on the hot seat or anything. I think Sean McDermott of Buffalo uh, is getting more crap than Matt Eberflus ever did this year. Right? It's like it's amazing. Uh, so again, not definitely not a D or an F, uh, but I do have to discount him a little bit to Alyssa because he let Justin Fields walk all over him a little bit too much. I, we brought that up throughout the year. Um, I did not like that he let Justin do whatever he wanted in terms of like when he was injured, how much he would play in games, whatever. Uh, and I thought we saw it during the divisional round here. Uh, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt during the Chiefs game. He you know, limps to the sideline. Alyssa sits on the bench and tells the trainer, wrap it up. I don't care. Wrap it up. And he goes back into the game and he's not moving well. He's clearly really hurt. And Andy Reid says, get your ass in the locker room, Patrick, and take off your cleat. And we're going to look at it before you play any longer. And we're going to put in the backup. And Mahomes like kind of lost it on the sideline. But eventually, what did he do? He threw his jacket like a baby and limped down the hallway and went into the locker room. But can you imagine Eberflus from what he showed us this year with having that discussion with Justin Fields? I think he would be like, oh, my God, Justin, I'm so it's fine. Nope. I'm, nope. Nope. I'm sorry. We'll check it at halftime. I'm so sorry I even brought it up. You can go back in. Nope. Sorry, Justin. Don't don't get mad at me. You know what I mean? Like it's not all Justin Fields' choice. And I know I'm over exaggerating that for the show a little bit, Alyssa. But I had to dock him a little bit for that thing. When when he gave us that soundbite saying, Well, Justin has the final decision on whether he plays or not. I was like, What? <laughs> no, you have the final decision. So I docked him a little bit of uh, points there, and that's why I gave him a C. No, that's fair, because that that was one of my things. And I know we talked about that during the season as it happened. It was like, what do you mean you're letting him decide? You are the coach. You're the grown-up here. Yep. You are leading this team. You need to tell him, Justin, sit the hell down. You're not playing, right? We're not further, we're not risking further injury. You are our franchise. I think that's when he start first started to realize it too. I think Eberflos, where he's like, Oh man, this is, you know, he is our franchise guy. So you know what? Not playing him. But yeah, like you like you said, like I was like watching the whole like Mahomes thing. I mean, credit to Patrick because my goodness, how only he could play on one leg and still what give a performance, that performance it, that he did. He is just it, it so was great. much fun to watch. It was great. Yeah, you can't poo-poo that performance, even if you hate Mahomes or you hate the Chiefs or whatever. I mean, that was uh, gutsy, especially for me. Uh, again, I'm a Patriots fan. I watched Mac Jones basically have to get carried off by a helicopter when he sprained his ankle. He was hurt. He was like crying on the field and like guys were carrying him <laughs> off and Mahomes is like wrap it up I'm playing uh, it's just like you know you I appreciate that that's what you want from your leader I'm sure Justin Fields would have done the exact same thing but again oh, we know he would have oh, done yeah. the exact he did do this exact same thing in college when he went out there and played with broken ribs and had the game of his life so I mean I do think like to, to your point though I think like imagining that kind of conversation and we kind of saw something similar not with uh Fields and Eberflus, but with Fields and Getze on the sideline uh, during that Falcons game, or was it the the Lions game where no, I think it was the Lions game where he wanted to go back in and there was like a conversation being had and, and we're like, oh, go, oh goodness, this feels going to be out here because it looked like he was sitting on the bench, kind of looked like he wasn't going to be playing and then all of a sudden he's back out there again. So 
Um, I think that is very similar to that. But I do think that if needed to, Iberflus could could have that conversation. I mean, he's a nice guy. We see that, right? And he's very personable. He's a very likable guy. So, I mean, he kind of comes off, you know, as, you know, maybe he's soft. But I don't think that's the case. You know, he, you know, there have been some moments, you know, that he's going to get up there and really give it to his guys. So, hopefully we're not in that kind of situation, right? We don't want fields hurt again. um, But it is inevitable. Uh, in the NFL, but I, I think that he would handle that just fine. But I mean, this season, I mean, this was his first year. We have to remember as a head coach as well, and he's navigating things that he hasn't had to before. And, you know, I think that was quickly, I think that was earlier in the week, you know, when he was like, ultimately it's going to be Justin's decision. And then that kind of evolved as the week went on and the decision was made that he's not playing. So, I mean, he's, he's growing, you know, in his role, but yeah, that was the one issue I think I had. Uh, as well with Eberflus, but you know, hey, it's you know, it's behind us. Yeah, I don't think he's soft, but I think Andy Reid's a nice guy too. But he told Mahomes, "Get your ass in the locker room and take off your cleat <laughs> and let them look at your ankle, Patrick." And he did. Uh, so yeah, so I had to dock him. Whether that's you know whether that's fair or not, unless I had to dock him a grade for that, I got him on a C. I think a B minus is fair. Uh, but you know, again, a neat little trick uh, for Eberflus to lose ten straight, uh, only win three games. Uh, but still get uh, a relatively passing grade. Now you got the team to play very hard. You got a breakout season from Justin Fields. We, we're going to give you credit. We're not going to give you a D or an F. You get a C. That's where I'm at. Moving on to question number three, Alyssa. Same exact question, only Ryan Poles. What's your final year number one grade for the GM? Oh, this is a good one. And it took me a little bit when I was kind of thinking. I was kind of teetering back and forth between two grades, and I ultimately decided on a B minus because when we're thinking about Ryan Poles and his first season, we have to go back to the off season and kind of rehash everything that happened. I mean, you look at this free agent group and it wasn't the best. Um, I would probably say like Nicholas Morrow uh, is the one that you would want to bring back, right? He was signed to a one-year deal. You know, Lucas Patrick didn't work out. Al-Qadeen Muhammad, who was one of Fluce's guys from Indianapolis, he he was a disappointment. You kind of look at the free agent group and it was bad, right? And you kind of look at, you know, it's not, and I'll throw Justin Jones in there. Sorry, he's not going to be a free agent this year. Justin Jones and Nicholas Mora, I think, were the standouts there from the free agent group. And you kind of look at some of the moves that happened earlier in the offseason, the whole Larry Ogunjobi thing. Obviously, that's not Poles' fault. And he handled it as he should have when he, you know, the physical, when he did pass the physical, he moved on and ultimately signed Justin Jones. You look at the Ryan Bates situation. I think that ultimately worked out best for the Bears because you were bringing Bates in to be your right guard and you were going to well overpay him. And then look, you discovered that Tevin Jenkins, I mean, he is a franchise right guard at this point. He was the best offensive lineman you had all season. So that kind of worked out as we went along. Um, I will say, though, the thing that I was most pleased about with Ryan Poles was that his dedication to tearing the entire thing down. Yep, He did well there. He did very well. You He had to do that. Right. And we saw that we look at the salary cap space that the Bears have. Your favorite subject. I know, Ryan, one hundred fifteen million dollars. And that's double the next team behind them. And that is because he went out there and he made those trades. He traded Kalimak. He traded Robert, Robert Quinn, traded Roquan Smith, got draft capital in exchange. He released, you know, a whole bunch of, of expensive veterans, Danny Trevathan, uh, Eddie, Eddie Goldman, uh, Tariq Cohen. Like he got rid of these expensive contracts. Yes. He had to deal with the dead cap money for this year. 
But then you look at it was always about the future because like we were like we said from the beginning of the 2022 offseason, Ryan, right? We knew that 2022 was going to be brutal. Like it was going to be rough. But we were always ha- we always had an eye for 2023. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Ryan Poles tearing the roster down. It had to be done for him in, in order for him to build the roster that he wants. And you still have a quarterback on a rookie deal. You have that first overall draft pick now. I mean, that was just that could not have worked out better for Ryan Poles this season. I mean, like I got to give him, I, I guess I'm factoring that in, into my grade as well, that the bears, you know, were he was able to do all of that and land the number one overall pick. And there's still a whole bunch of optimism surrounding this team. I mean, it is insane. The bears control free agency. They control the draft. They have a franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. I mean, it, it's very, we, it's very weird that to be in that position where you are the worst team in the NFL but there is so much optimism about where you're headed in 2023. So I do give a lot of credit to Ryan Poles for that. Um, And I'm excited to see what he does in year two, which this is going to be even more important than last year was. Yeah. I wasn't sure where you're going to go with that. I think B minus is very fair. My only, my real take, I gave him a B. I like B minus a little bit more like you said, Alyssa, because it's a little more negative Uh, because my take on this is just not an A, right? And not A. Uh, Somewhere in the B range, I think is very fair. B minus. Good. Again, thank you. Love you, Smith. We love you and appreciate you. He got lucky with the number one pick, right? Got some help. Uh, I'm not sure the Bears were worse than the Texans. It just worked out that way and and we'll take it. But it wasn't perfect, right? We were begging for the team to help Justin Fields develop in year number two. That We talked about that all last offseason, right? Alyssa, that was our number one goal for this year. We didn't really care about the win-loss thing. We just wanted Fields to develop and he did. But did he get a lot of help from the GM? <laughs> like, I don't know. No. The O-line was horrible. They were so bad that folks forget that Justin Fields, he can pass. But people forget that he can pass, Alyssa, because he literally ran for his life so much that he almost broke an NFL record for quarterback rushing, right? Like, that was literally something that happened during the season. Uh, Poles opted for, like, smaller moves at wide receiver. Byron Pringle traded for Nikhil Harry. Uh, Just, you know, he just put together a wide receiver group that did not produce consistently at all outside of Darnell Mooney, who unfortunately got hurt. Um and again, he got the number one pick, but Lovey Smith helped there. A little assist from Smith. And then he's getting, you know, rightfully so. We'll see. Uh, we're going to have to like put the pause button on this one. But right now, the trade for Chase Claypool doesn't look great. Uh, number 32 overall for, a, a you know, that's a wide receiver one price for a guy who has been more of a sidekick in his career, Claypool, than an alpha wide receiver. Um, we're still looking at wide receiver as a major need, I think, going into the offseason. So for all those reasons, I think you don't give uh, polls an A, but again, like you said, like nobody's mad at him, right? He didn't do a bad job. He did a good job. It's a passing grade. It's just not an A. Um, and it's amazing. The head coach and the GM, it wasn't perfect, but they still kind of come out smelling like roses because of, like you said, Alyssa, the optimism and where this team is at. We did say about polls, and I think I said it in a previous podcast. Maybe the the best rebuilding year we've ever seen in NFL history in terms of what the the uh, cap space he was able to clear, where now the Bears can do whatever they want again as long as the McCaskies are handing him the blank check. I gotta keep saying that. Uh, but, <laughs> I do. I do have to give credit to to polls because I forgot to mention it as well. The draft class from this year, all things considered, because when he came into the job, he had five draft picks to work with, and he turned that into eleven. Um, and you look at some of the guys uh, that he has, and I mean, obviously you start with Jaquan Brisker, 
uh, and you look at Braxton Jones, who was just named to, you know, a PFWA's all-rookie team this year. He was the only Bears rep- representative. Trenton Gill at punter, you know, finding him. Jack Sanborn, an undrafted free agency. Kyler Gordon, who's improving. I mean, Bayless Jones, who started coming into his own uh, down the line there. So, you know, he did have, for not having a, a, um, a first overall draft pick um, because of the Justin Fields trade the year before and what he was able to do there, I mean, I think that's a good start. And it kind of gives you optimism for what he can do now in this position that he's in with the number one overall pick and, you know, eight, eight draft picks and all. And we, we know that's going to skyrocket exponentially this offseason. Yep. Good year for Ryan Pulse. Again, not an A, but a passing grade. Really good. Excited about him and where the Bears are headed. Uh, question number four, Alyssa. It's officially mock draft season. Uh, and we could see that if we go on Bears Wire. You've been working very hard, as we said earlier. Uh, the results of mock drafts, are, they're being nicely compiled by you. So which mock draft has been your favorite so far? What scenario have you seen that's got you the most excited? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many mock drafts. I feel like I could write them in my sleep or, you know, just I I have my eyes peeled all over the place just looking for different scenarios. I mean, that's the fun thing about having the number one pick. And by the way, I never want to I never want the Bears to have the number one pick again. I mean, you do not want to be in this position again. But for right now, it's fun, right? Because well, unless Alyssa, we trade with somebody who sucks so bad next year oh. that we have a chance. Okay, thank you for that caveat. Yes, that, that okay. So Colts, I guess. I mean, if the Bears trade back with the Colts or the Texans, please be the worst team in the year next year. Possible. Uh, which brings me that brings me to my favorite um, mock draft scenario. I guess. I mean, I would say anything where the bears are able to trade back and acquire additional capital and still stay in the top four. Because when you look at those teams, you know, barring any other trades aside from the bears trading back, you know, then you have two teams that would take a quarterback. Then you have the Cardinals who, I mean, unless they want to trade back right with another quarterback needy team and trade out of that position, then the bears are going to get, you know, whoever the Cardinals don't take in Will Anderson uh, or Jalen Carter. So you're in a very good position. Uh, we were able to get value for that. But there was one in particular. I think I've seen this one a couple of times. Um, just because you have the you have the division rivalry between the Texans and the Colts and kind of like, okay, do the Texans don't want to risk the Colts leapfrogging them to take the quarterback they want? You know, so are the Texans going to, you know, throw stuff at the Bears and move up one spot and then the Bears move back to number two and then the Colts are like, wait, we still need a quarterback and then trade with the Bears and then the Bears move back to four. So they trade back twice and still get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. I mean, like, that's ideal. That's the dream. I don't think that's going to happen, but I mean – mock draft season is just it's like candy land it's all fantasy and you're just you know you're trying all these different scenarios and thinking about them and realizing it's probably not going to happen but it's really fun to speculate about it is and it, again it's so fun when you're number one and i think my favorite is just anything that has the bears trading back a couple times uh, and still staying in the top 10 which there are scenarios for that right when teams just want to come up and get the quarterback, the Bears don't need that. So they'll they'll trade back with the Texans, trade back with the Colts and still land like a Will Anderson or something like that's that's my favorite. Right. I mean, if that happens, you you get a haul of picks back. You could fill all these needs and you get like a stud edge rusher, maybe the best O-lineman on the board, whatever, whatever it is. That's my favorite. Right. That's my favorite. That would be um, absolutely perfect. Question number five, Alyssa, which bear? tops your wish list for a contract extension. There are some that are intriguing uh, guys that are under contract, but could be due a raise. Uh, 
a Darnell Mooney really jumps out at me. Interesting name coming off uh, an injury, right? Jalen Johnson, a number one Cole Komet had a pretty good year. Seems like he might be Justin Fields' favorite target right now. Um, and maybe somebody else. Like who tops your wish list for an extension? You just named all three. Can I have more than one? Uh, yes, please. Whoever. Okay, I want all three of those. Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, and Cole Komet. I mean, they're all part of that 2020 draft class, which, you know, you know, for for everything and the flack that that Ryan Pace has gotten, you know, you kind of look at you know what he's been able to do in in some of these drafts, because uh, I mean, and he's really thrived in the later rounds too. Like you look at Mooney, who was a fifth round pick, and what he's what he's established himself as. And you know, yes, this season was disappointing because you know he was lost uh, for the year to an ankle injury, but you know, coming off you know twenty twenty one, he was he had like wide receiver one numbers. He went for over a thousand yards, uh, leading the team in receptions and and um, uh, and yards, and he had four t- touchdowns. So like Mooney, he, he's got it, and that was also kind of in a wide receiver two role when Allen Robinson was still there. Even though obviously uh, a Rob didn't have his best uh, season in his last year with the Bears, so you kind of think too about the Bears can go out and land a number one guy, and you have Mooney. As the number two, you put him in the slot. You let him just go off like he did that year. I mean, that could be fun. But I feel like at this point where it's so imperative to surround Justin Fields with weapons uh, that how do you not re-sign Darnell Mooney? Uh, And there's been a lot of speculation about like what kind of contract could he get? Um, You could look at Terry McLaurin as an example, but maybe I don't know if he gets as much as McLaurin, but I feel like that could be. Uh, the range that you're looking at. And I think Darnell Mooney just signed with um, a new agency. I think it's Justin Fields' agency too, which is funny. Um, So like, maybe that's like an indication that, you know, contract negotiations are going to get underway. Like, you know, that's something you'd have to think that polls is looking to do. Uh, And Cole Komet, I'm going to go right to him as well. Who also has, who also is with athletes first, uh, that same agency. It's like, I don't know, maybe they go in the room together. Um, no, but Colt Komet, you look at what he was able to do. I mean, for the first two years, it was so frustrating because we'd seen Komet's potential, but he was never able to really get there. And he had a breakout year this year, despite the Bears having the worst passing game in the entire NFL. He was still able to, to put up numbers. Uh, he led the team in receptions, yards. He had seven touchdowns this season after having none the previous year. I mean, we finally saw his potential, especially in the passing game, and he's developing as a blocker as well. And like you said, he's become Fields' favorite target uh, when Mooney went out there. So he's become a security blanket, which is really important to have. Again, talking about getting Fields those weapons, like we we talk about bringing in new guys, which Poles needs to do, but you also need to keep the current guys in place, guys that he has the chemistry with, guys that he trusts, and guys that have proven themselves. So, I mean, I think definitely those two and, you know, Jalen Johnson, um, let us not forget him. Uh, you know, the guy that teams try to stay away from on Sundays, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson, he's, he's had, he hasn't had the flashy statistics in terms of interceptions. He only has one pick through three seasons, but he's been very, very consistent for the bears uh, to the point where, you know, again, teams are steering clear of him and targeting Kendall Vildor or Kyler Gordon and, but you look at Johnson and what he's been able to do. I mean, immediately from his first start as a rookie, I mean, he's just been, he he's, he looks like he can develop into a lockdown corner for this team. And you're going to need to pay him, especially when you look at the cornerback situation currently on this roster. I mean, we got Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon, right? I think we're, we're good with those two guys. Kendall Vildor. I mean, you can bring him back and have him as a depth piece, but he's not someone I'd like to see starting 
I mean, I feel like Jalen has done enough uh, to earn a contract extension. You, you kind of see, you've seen that in performances when he's going up against Devonte Adams, when he was with the Packers last year or against AJ Brown this year. I mean, those were, that was really impressive how he's able to hang with and at times shut down some of the league's best wide receivers. And that is why you have to bring someone like him back. So, I mean, I'm taking the shortcut and I'm taking all three, Ryan, but I don't care. <laughs> I need them all back. And you shouldn't because this is your <laughs> podcast, Alyssa. And again, I'm not just like a mind reader, uh, you know, just, you know, just for all transparency and a shameless plug here and an admission, Alyssa. I read your stuff on Bears Wire. You have a post on Bears Wire about uh, your wish list. And I kind of <laughs> plug some of these guys off of there. So I knew who your favorites were. I think Mooney is a really interesting one, right? Coming off an injury, a guy that doesn't make a lot of cash. Um, He's operated as your number one wide receiver, as you said. I think he would like to make a little bit more money. I think that's a great little tidbit you dropped about him signing with the agency. Uh, He might want a little bit more money. I would hate to see him get away in future years. Um, But it's good. We don't have to worry about any of these three players being gone this year, but um, we'd hate to lose them uh, going forward. They're all really good players. Uh, And that gets us to the... um, the content that folks expect from us, Alyssa, right? The, this is the kind of content folks expect. <laughs> we teased it earlier in the show. Um, if you fast forwarded it to this point, um, welcome. Uh, we're at question number six of our six pack of questions. And we're here. It's uh, it's our most punchable face award, Alyssa. Which NFL player, coach, or other had the most punchable <laughs> face in 2022? And I'll rattle a few off just to get you going here. Um, we've had some front runners from our discussions. The first one, we kind of debuted this. It kind of just came to me in the moment and I threw it at you and you're like, all right, I'll, I'll watch out for this. And then after the game, you texted me and you said, wow, what a punchable face this guy had. Um, Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, just you just just look at his face on the sideline. It's like, oh boy. Um, so yeah, Arthur Smith was was the first one. So honorable mention, Arthur Smith. Aaron Rodgers, of course, is an easy one. Uh, just his face is always punchable. I know you're going to probably tell us about Matt Nagy. Um, I know he still haunts you. We have to look at his stupid face at times during playoff games, Alyssa. And I do want to add one more for consideration. And you can, again, you can go off of this list as well. You can come up with your own. But off of this list, um, I w- oh, I'm sorry. I want to add one off this past weekend's divisional round. Uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, this Eagles head coach. I don't know how many Bears fans have seen a lot of Eagles games. Um but if you're watching it during the playoffs, I mean, the camera is focused on this guy. And why? It's because he is such a freaking tool pack. And he is he has a very punchable face and he has to be in the discussion. So um, punchable face of the year award, Alyssa, who's your winner? I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like it, it has always been Aaron Rodgers. It is always going to be Aaron Rodgers, even when he's retired uh, and just not in the spotlight and you ask me who's the most punchable face it's Aaron Rodgers it always is going to be I mean it was so enjoyable except for it was enjoyable this season normally we're staring at that at his punchable face and the Packers keep winning and they made the postseason where they inevitably lose to the 49ers which is always great but this season it was it was awesome you know getting to see the the Packers struggle and see Aaron Rodgers just mope to the point where, you know, he's blaming his receivers for, you know, his bad passes. And I don't know, it was, I enjoyed it very, very much because I like, who likes Aaron Rodgers? His own family doesn't even like him. No his one own fans him. hate him. I don't even think Packers fans. Don't like no, they hate him. him. They're, they're done with him so much. So I, I think Packers fans would agree who has the most punchable face. They'd probably say Aaron Rodgers. I think everyone can agree um, at this point. And then I, good point about Sirianni. Like, I mean, I think like even before the game started when he was doing like that dance or something, I'm just like, oh, what a tool. 
but again, if he's your coach, maybe you know you're you're there because you're winning and you're like, okay, this guy had us winning. I'm I'm willing to accept this stupid behavior. I mean, like, cool. Um, and I think also one of my playoff, I guess, uh, my runner up uh, or honorable mention, and for the playoffs, it, Matt Nagy. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, here's <laughs> I'm the not thing. Surprised. Matt Nagy is a great guy. Like he he was he's great. He he he's a nice guy. But I mean, they I obviously we saw him way too much, um, especially especially on Saturday during that game. And I just say like, every time I see his face, like I'm just like brought back to, you know, what his time here in Chicago. And it just, <laughs> it's disappointing. I am scarred because I mean, this was their Super Bowl window. Right. And I mean, he couldn't make it work with any of the quarterbacks. So like, I mean, Trubisky isn't great, but it wasn't all his fault. Right. He, cause he couldn't make it work with Mitch. Then he got to go pick a couple of his guys. It didn't work with Nick Foles. It didn't work with Andy Dalton. And somehow you couldn't make it work with Justin Fields who just set the league on fire this year, despite having no talent around him. It's a scheme thing. Right. And you just wanted him to kind of take accountability. I'm just like in that place still. And I hope that the bears go out and, you know, win a super bowl at some point so that I can forget that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy, great guy. But when I think back, you know, I have PTSD from his time in Chicago, punchable face. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the number one. He always will be. Also, Mike McCarthy, I realized too on um, Sunday. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Matt, Mike McCarthy's definitely one too. Uh, it's always Rodgers. Yeah. That's that's the pick. It's got to be Rodgers. See, now, it's not me being a homer. See, nope. even Patriots fan, everyone yep. hates him. Yep. Yep. I, I wanted it to be like Arthur Smith or, or, you know, really sitting on my couch on Saturday night watching that Eagles Giants game. I mean, it was like secretariat, you know, Sirianni was making a comeback. He was like, he was coming up on the rear. He was about to, he was about to overtake the whole thing. Well, watching that guy on the sideline, what a goofball. Holy crap. I mean, that guy is, he's my honorable mention. I'm not as scarred as you are by Matt Nagy. I'm sure Bears fans were nodding along with you though. Uh, and again, we're forced to see that face of his uh, during these Chiefs playoff games and the Chiefs never lose. And there's always in the playoffs. And it's like, oh God, more Matt Nagy, that smile. Um, Nice guy, punchable face. You said it perfect. But it's Rogers. Like images of his stupid face, Alyssa, as he glares at his receivers when he's the one sucking. I mean, it's that takes the cake. Always, it's always Rogers. Get the hell out of here. Packers, get rid of him. What are you waiting for? Like again, the cap, it doesn't matter. I know he's got all these dead cap hits. Who cares? You'll figure it out. Just trade him, get rid of him. My God, you have Jordan Love. What are you doing? He looked pretty good. He got in a game this year. He looked pretty damn good. Uh so anyway. Sirianni, close second. And it was a Really good comeback, Alyssa. It was really exciting for me there. I thought he might take the cake. He was that bad on Saturday night. But it's Rodgers. Rodgers gets the award. Sirianni might have to be in contention for next year's because we're going to have to do this, get hand out this award again yep. next yeah. next year. So I think Sirianni is someone to watch, especially if um, the Eagles don't have as perfect of a season as they've had. So Yeah, we might. it might have to be like a bi-weekly segment for us where we say, all right, what, who was the punchable face from last week? Who's this week? So, you know, we might have to... Uh, you don't want to do it every week, but I think we're going to have to track it a little bit harder. Again, it just, it just came to me watching that, that Falcons game. I was like, holy crap, I can't look at this coach's face. Why, why do they keep showing him? And again, I think when the, the more punchable the coach's face, the more they show his mug. And it's just like Mike McCarthy, Arthur Smith, Nick Sirianni. This is what happens. He keeps seeing his mug. We, you know, Matt Nagy, we saw his mug all the time when he was the Bears coach, right? <laughs> it's like, it's focused on him. Uh, so, so that's what it is. So, all right. Um, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm exhausted from the six pack, Alyssa. I'm ready to go sit down on the couch and like uh, maybe take a nap. No, I'm exhausted from the six pack right now. Six know, pack of right? questions. I mean, we, we really, you know, threw those back, too. So, I mean, 
Oh, threw him back. Started getting we're him a little, little more rapid at the end. We picked up the pace at the end. So yeah, we're definitely feeling it. Uh, but always fun to talk Bears off season. Always more to come. Again, always make sure you're checking out Bears Wire. There's articles um, going up there all the time. Alyssa, what are you working on now? More mock draft stuff? Always mock draft stuff. I just posted my um, mock draft for the league, my first round one uh, Ooh, on Tuesday. Nice. We're check building that. this on Tuesday. Yep. Um, we still have our 15 most impactful bears. Um, with we're we're at number seven as we're filming this, which is Jaquan Brisker. Has Justin Fields um, been named yet? Not yet, oh, okay. but I don't know. Okay. He, I mean, not yet, but do you know where he might end up? I think <laughs> I, might be... I, I was just wondering if he'd been named yet. Okay, okay, we'll see. We'll yeah. see where he ends Definitely. up. Yeah, it might be a little shocker. No, it won't be a shocker <laughs> to anybody. Uh, spoiler alert: He's but, number one. But fans are going to um, love it when he's announced. <laughs> you know. He, and it just makes sense, right? Um, and we're still doing position reviews um, here from the 2022 season where, spoiler alert, it's been pretty bad uh, for the most part. Um, and then coming up here, too, when we're getting into free agency, you're going to have a lot of free agency pr- uh, preview stuff. Uh, my draft guy, Nate Atkins, is going to do his uh, top 15 Bears prospects. We're going to do like a countdown series leading up um, to free agency or uh, and leading up to the draft, obviously. But that's going to be starting here soon. Like Ryan, I'm telling you, we're nonstop for it being the off season. It just we never stop. <laughs> nonstop. That's Alyssa Barbieri, and that's what she does. Uh, check her out on Bears Wire. Her and the crew. Um, believe me, that's where you want to be, especially for all the latest mock drafts. We, we need to see what are the Bears going to do at number one. What's Ryan Poles going to do? None of us know. We never know with him. Um, so the mock drafts are all we have. Uh, but there'll be plenty more news breaking throughout um, the offseason before we get to you know the official start of free agency. We'll be tracking it. We'll be back with more. Um, so for Alyssa, I'm Ryan O'Leary. As always, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.